I've, I've seen uh, people do ayahuasca and they can almost rely on it and they want to go back to do ayahuasca. Like every year they'll go back for a top up because they, they feel like they're not, you know, in, in touch. And that's because they're not doing daily practices. You know, the, the thing, ayahuasca is a tool that unlocks things that are already in you. So essentially you are the medicine, not ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is just pointing you and giving you the tools to unlock your own medicine, you know? So, I mean, essentially all I did was drink a cup and then come back home and go, you know, go through what I went through and come back home. Uh, all the changes that I felt and made, I made them myself. Collective Insights is a voyage through topics and technologies revolutionizing human well-being. Groundbreaking approaches for a better world and a better life await you. Welcome to Collective Insights. Welcome to Collective Insights. I'm your host today, Dr. Heather Sanderson. I'm pleased to be joined today by Mr. Kosh Khan, the creator of Educate, Inspire, Change, that now has an online following of over 3.5 million. This impressive following, Mr. Khan, how did you get to this place? Yeah, um, lots of time, hard work, and patience. Um, Educate Inspire Change was born around eight years ago, you know, so it didn't happen overnight. And um, uh, my original, like when I first started Educate Inspire Change, there was no long-term intention or goal. I just created it because I felt like I wanted to share something with the world. And then it ultimately grew arms and legs of its own, you know, and then within the space of a year to two years, I realized that I had kind of tapped into something. I'd unlocked my, you know, my calling or my purpose. And I felt really passionate about the truth and uncovering the truth and sharing uh, these messages of truth with the world. And then two years after starting the the Facebook page, basically that's all it was in the beginning was a Facebook page, uh, I decided to leave my job and work full time on Educate Inspire Change and really focus all my energy into that. And I haven't looked back since. So these three words, educate, inspire, change. Mm -hmm. Where did you come up with those? Is it, and as part of me wanted to say inspire change, put the two of them together. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. feel like those words, there's so much power in them. How did you choose those three? Yeah, um, good question. So one of the things that have been um, coming up a lot for me lately is authenticity. So I think to talk about what those words mean, I really have to go into my own personal journey a bit more deeper. So where I was when I was when I started the page was I wasn't in a very good place. I was going through some personal problems and I had a son who I wasn't able to see. And the court systems here in the UK are very old fashioned and it can often take a lot of time just to make little progress. So basically I had a, a, a son who was around three to four years old that I hadn't seen for three years. Obviously this uh, resulted in some kind of depression for me. And it wasn't until I first saw him where I really felt inspired to do something different with my life. So ultimately, when I saw him for the first time, I started to look at myself through his eyes and I thought to myself, what do I want to be? Like, who am I? What am I doing with my life? And um, I literally came home, opened my laptop and I thought, I want to write something down here. I want to share my feelings in the hope that one day my son sees this so he knows who his father is and he knows what his father stands for, you know, because up until then, although I had a lot of um, thoughts and opinions and views about the world, politics, racism, poverty, I never really expressed them openly on a public forum or anything at all. They were very personal to me, but I thought, my son isn't going to see me very often, so how can I express myself in a way where he's going to be proud of me, where he's going to look up to me and admire what I'm doing? So literally, I just thought, what can I teach my son? And I said, I want him to realize education is vital. And also, I wanted him to be inspired and to be, you know, um, inspire others. And I also wanted him to be the change, you know. So really, that's how these words were born, just through me wanting to be a better father. And um, these words came to me just naturally. I wrote them down. They sounded good uh, when I said them. They looked good in paper. And I just decided to call this Facebook page, Educate, Inspire, Change. And then the tagline was born, Educate Yourself, Inspire Others, Change the World. And that's kind of stuck ever since. So that's really the inspiration behind the page, why it started and and how I chose the names. Your oldest son, are you in touch? Mm. Are you guys connected? He must be what? Yeah, so this is something. 14? Yeah, he's, he's, he's 11. I think he's, I think he's uh, 11 coming on 12. So he's uh, he's, he's uh, getting on old. But this is another thing maybe we could have spoken about, but it's okay because um, I, I still don't see him very much. So like he's still with his mother. And I only see him maybe once every month in a supervised, um, you know, like condition. So it's not ideal. But w w one of the things that I was doing was I was being a victim. So even although I couldn't see him, I was, I was, it's very hard to, 
uh, not feel attached to him and to not be a victim and not feel angry or not feel sadness. So when I went to Rhythmia, you don't mind me telling you this guy's an idea, like you have time. Yeah, yeah, please. So, so when I was at Rhythmia, there was a woman there who was a, a she was there to be a, she was a thought leader, and her purpose was uh, she was like a grief counselor to to deal with grief. And she said to me, "You not seeing your son is like grief. You get angry, you get upset." And she said to me, "She lost a son through leukemia. Yeah, who was a teenager when he died, and she had a second son who also has leukemia, but he's not dead yet." And so I'm talking to this woman. I'm thinking, "Wow." And she's explaining to me how her losing that first one was a gift and how she's using that as a gift to help others and how to deal with her second son. And it's a, it was really obviously inspiring for her to talk to me. But she said to me, what we the way um, she looks at life is the higher you go, the more, um, like if you can raise your consciousness, if you can imagine the higher dimensions you go, the more you see the world on a bigger scale. So you look at bigger timelines, you look at, so like for example, if you see two people in the street fighting, You'll walk past and think idiots. But if you could see their childhood, if you could see their father's childhood, if you could see their entire timeline, you'll all, all of a sudden have a lot of love and empathy for them and you'll understand why they're behaving this way and you won't look at them in that way anymore. So she said to me, you and your son, he technically isn't your son. Biologically, yes. But on a soul level, he's a million, he's millions of years old and you're millions of years old and you've been around for millions of years and he's having his soul journey. You're having your soul journey and you both chose this journey, by the way. Your souls did. And this is what you're meant to do. So the best thing you can do is just be the light and eventually his soul will come to your, your paths will cross. And if they don't cross, that's fine. That's not that's not his purpose. That's not your purpose. So don't be angry. You don't own him. He's just because he's your son biologically doesn't necessarily mean you, you are connected. Do you know what I mean? So it's about having that um, raised consciousness opinion of the world. The higher you can go, and the more of a bird's eye way you can see the world, the more empathetic, the more understanding, and the more you're willing to forgive and, and accept. Because I wasn't able to accept not seeing him because it was just so painful. I would often go and drive my car to his house and cry looking at the window because I was so angry and sad. But but now that I can look at it from a higher place and I can I can see my journey and his journey and just be grateful that we're alive and focus on the positives, there's less anger, less you know bitterness towards his mother and I'm able to become more happier and I'm able to use that pain that I felt there and, and share positive messages with you know other people because so, other people might have lost children or they can't see their children. And so rather than me be one of them, I'd rather use my experience to help them. And so it's just about, um, this is the medicine done for me, you know, and I, and, I, and I actually ask for that specifically, raise my consciousness so that I can be better. That's all I ask for. And I feel like it really did that in, in literal terms. It did that, you know, because I, I was never able to, 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 that resentment that was in my heart, it was always there and I couldn't get rid of it. But now it's, it's really gone. And it seems like that anger has been channeled into this very positive, productive work that you're doing with Educate Inspire Change. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. It's just about putting your energy into the right places. You know, like um, even when I was doing yoga, I remember uh, for one of the first times the, the, the yoga instructor said something to me. She said, how you do the small things is how you do the big things. So often I would procrastinate or be lazy or, you know, you know, you, get, you can get lazy with your day to day stuff or whatever it might be. And I thought and I realized in that moment, all the small things I do, like I don't pay attention to small things, you know, like I'll do the big things fine, but the small things not really. So just like where, where do I put my energy on a day to day basis? And, I'm, you know, like time to time, what am I watching? What am I thinking about? What am I doing in my spare time? All that kind of stuff, you know, because for for many years, I had educated inspired change. It was doing well. But in my spare time, I would do things that weren't very productive. You know, I would waste a lot of time watching movies or going to nightclubs or bars or doing things that weren't really, you know, helpful to me or the community or my family, you know. And so, like, um, that's a big thing to me. It's just I'm very conscious of where I put my energy now. And uh, and that's so that all the negative energy I have, where do I put it? And often I would put it in a bar next to it and a drink or whatever, you know, because you would feel like I want to get away, I want to de-stress. And it's not a bad thing to do that sometimes. But I would uh, so now I think very carefully where do I put my energy. So I just focus whenever I'm feeling bad, instead of um, going away or running away, I'll maybe make a video on Educate Inspire Change or I'll write an article or and it's much more therapeutic and much more helpful and much more productive, you know. So, yeah, definitely. And what it, was it that you were doing just before you started this page? Um, what wasn't I doing? I was really a jack of all trades, you know, like um, I was in and out of sales jobs. I was always a good uh, a good talker, you know, like 
I was I had a fear of public speaking, but I was fine talking one to one like this, you know. So I was in and out of sales jobs for a while. I was self-employed. I would um, have my own marketing company. I, I was a DJ at a nightclub for a while. I sold artwork for a while. I was selling phones for a while. So I was doing all sorts of jobs, you know. Um, I was kind of finding my way through life, you know. My, my childhood was a bit, um, how do you say, eventful. So my, my mother and father got divorced at a, quite a pivotal age in my life when I was around 18, 19. And I was just starting my university degree then. So when they got divorced, Divorced, I kind of lost my way a little bit and I didn't end the degree and I just started working because I found that I needed to become more self-sufficient. So from the age of 18 to the age of 30, I was just working, making money and my life was much more uh, on that path. And it wasn't until losing my son and going through this depression that I really had to uh, reevaluate my life and what was I doing with myself. And that's what where Educate Inspire Change was born. And ever since then, I found that through... Um, my passion, because I'm not an academic, you know, I'm not a scientist, I'm not an academic, but uh, I have a have a high level of emotional intelligence, and I think this is what's kept me successful because I'm empathetic to what other people other people's needs and wants are, and I kind of uh, when I was sharing Educate Inspire Change, I realised how best to communicate these messages with people, and how to like you know if if somebody has a, a message to share, I was able to package it in such a way that I could make it go viral, I could really make it um, resonate with an audience on a big scale, you know, so um, uh, this is where I found my skill would be and just trying to inspire others to hear my messages you know so that's kind of um yeah what led me to educate inspire change and that was part of my journey so it sounds as if there was this catalyst in this experience with your son that period of depression and this, mm. this hard time yeah. that you went through that really was what pushed you to do what you were passionate about there are other, other catalysts that you've come across in the form of plant medicines. And certainly my patients, mm -hmm. um, clinically, when I see people who feel kind of stuck in their life situation, whether it's a relationship or a job or even a, a physical sort of a pain, when we can be stuck, oftentimes a catalyst is very helpful to push up over the edge um, and towards healing. What has the role of plant medicine been like in your journey? Um, it's been absolutely uh, essential. I, I would almost argue there was a version of me before plant medicine and there's now a version of me after plant medicine. It's really a defining moment in my life, you know, was um, doing plant medicine and experiencing that for the first time. So uh, I, I did plant medicine for the first time um, a little over two years ago and it completely blew me away and uh, it just changed my entire um um, direction, I suppose, you know, like uh, it really re re it connected me to my soul in such a way where I had to reevaluate everything, and especially with Educate Inspire Change. So for many years with Educate Inspire Change, I would often um, share content about what's happening around the world, world affairs, politics, health, the education system. And often I would talk about what's wrong with the system and what's wrong with the world, you know. And when I did plant medicine, I realized um that you know in line with what quantum physics says we're all energy so what you put out is what you get back this is just science you know so i realized that when i'm putting out all this negative energy all this fear i'm contributing to that energy and i didn't want to uh, any longer contribute to that so i thought i want to focus much more on solutions than i do on problems you know i want to talk much more about how you can be the change you want to change how you can be the change you want to see in the world how you can heal yourself through plant medicine through yoga through meditation through nutrition diet exercise all these different ways because i realized that after six years of talking about war in Iraq or war in Palestine or the American education system, I realized that um, people were feeling disempowered. You know, people would say, it's great that you're talking about all these things, but what can we do to change? And often they could do nothing to change it because it's very, very hard to change these systems. You can protest, uh, you can, you know, you can create like um, petitions, you can... Uh, try to get new laws put in place but these take very very long time but what you can do straight away is you can heal yourself and you can fix yourself and what you what i find is when you start to change your diet become happier healthier the world around you automatically changes very quickly and if enough people can do this i, I feel that then the world will shift at a much faster rate and we're almost seeing that just now due to this pandemic and due to all these major events going on people are for the first time on a collective scale are really reassessing their life they're looking at their job they're looking at their health their diet their relationships and they're really um all analyzing this and uh, i think 
this is why things are being fast forwarded so quickly now you know people are really looking at political systems people are really looking at the health systems they're really questioning vaccines or or what they're putting in their body and thinking about it and it's because we're all for the first time looking at ourselves inwards we all have time to really sit at home sit with our family and think about what are we doing with our life and we're prioritizing things in a different way and uh, this is kind of um what plant medicine woke up in me was this newfound passion for healing and self-healing and what role did plant medicines play for you particularly as an entrepreneur yes so um when I did ayahuasca for the first time, it was much more about uh, healing my, my own wounds, my own childhood trauma, and possibly even ancestral trauma. So this was the first four journeys I did, and it, it completely blew me away. It made me a kinder person. It made me a more empathetic person. I, I had, my temper was completely gone. I was able to forgive much more easily and mend broken relationships. So um, this was my first journey, but when I returned to uh, do ayahuasca for the second time, which is around three months after my first journey, I changed my intentions a little and I focused my intentions much more on me finding my purpose and me focusing on what my calling is. And also, um, believe it or not, I used to have a really big fear of um, communication, like uh, public speaking. So I had Educate Inspire Change for six years at this point, but I very rarely made a video or spoke publicly or did a Facebook Live. I would often let other people use my platform and let, share their voice. And I would always hide behind the computer. So plant medicine gave me that confidence and that um, renewed feeling of self-love where I felt that it doesn't matter what other people think. It only matters how I feel. And if my message is so important, then I'm going to speak and I'm going to speak with confidence and clarity. And it doesn't matter if I, I speak too fast or my accent Scottish, people are just going to have to adapt, you know, and hopefully I will learn with time because it's still obviously in the back of my mind, but like it, it no longer matters. I focus much more now on the message and I feel so passionate about my message where it overrides everything. So plant medicine gave me such profound um, experiences like this. Uh, I mean, I can focus on one night in particular where my tension was I was talking to the medicine this, this medicine, as you may or may not know, has a spirit. It's a consciousness. And so you feel like you're in direct communication with this spirit. So I'm asking this spirit to raise my consciousness so that I can better communicate my message with the world. This is my intention. And I keep feeling like I'm transcending, I'm going higher. But every time I get to a certain stage, I need to purge. It says to me, you're not ready yet. You need to get rid of something. So I would have to puke in this bucket. And literally this happened over the course of two or three hours, maybe five or six times. I was just con continuously purging. And then when I finally felt that like I was ready to really transcend and, and get to this level of higher consciousness, uh, I, I was asking to see God. I was asking just to, you know, understand life. And when I looked up, I, I basically saw a giant head in space and it was me looking back at myself. It was really surreal, but I saw myself and it was a um, really surreal experience, but like I was in awe of the head I was seeing and, I, and I, 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 it was such a powerful emotion that the next thing I remember was I was being carried out of the room by four four people, four helpers and a shaman. They were literally carrying me out, out of the temple and they were fanning me with air and spitting water on me and trying to get me to recover because whatever I was experiencing, although it was so beautiful, my body must have been reacting in a really crazy way. And it was after that night that something unlocked in me, you know, I felt like when I looked at myself in such a beautiful way, I thought, how can I ever say no to this person? How can I ever not overcome any obstacle? How can I ever be too embarrassed or be too shy or be too fearful? I need to take risks in life and I need to really um, satisfy that potential because I saw my higher self and I, my, the rest of my life needs to be, how can I stay connected to that higher self and how can I do him justice? Do you know what I mean? So that's kind of... Uh, what gave me that renewed sense of self-belief and purpose with Educate Inspire Change. And within a matter of weeks, I created my podcast. Within a matter of months, I started filming documentaries. I started having cameras follow me everywhere. I started making videos for Educate Inspire Change and really connecting with my audience on a much more personal level. So instead of sharing articles about wars or famine, I was now talking about plant medicine. I'm now talking about yoga or, and being the best per version of yourself and ov obviously overcoming fear, overcoming depression, overcoming obstacles because I've had a fair amount of obstacles in my life um, stemming from childhood, um, having uh, levels of abuse in my family that weren't healthy and being born into a dogmatic family. My family were strict Muslim as well. So having to overcome this dogma, um, having to 
you know, um, encountered a lot of friction in my childhood. For example, when I was a young man, I wasn't allowed to have female relations, you know. So can you, can you imagine a, a young man being raised in a Western country and not allowed to have a girlfriend? The kind of issues that would that would bring up in life and having to overcome them and having to, you know, um, deal with that friction and then having to understand how to deal with female relationships. So this is all stuff I've worked on during plant medicine and I really feel honoured and grateful to have um, been allowed or found plant medicine. And, and I feel like... Um, Educate Spire Change was just part of the journey. My entire life led me to where I am today, you know. And an interesting thing that a shaman told me is he said, you chose this path. He said, your soul is much older than you. You're just a human body having a, an experience just now, you know. Your soul is much older and wiser than you. And you chose this journey. You chose to have this family. You chose to have these relationships. And you chose to go on this path. And, and now where you are, you, you know, this is exactly, you just have to accept that you chose it. And let go of any resentment, let go of any um, thoughts about the past, any anger or bitterness, you know, and just focus on it's all love. It's all part of the journey. It's all part of the lesson. So this is another profound lesson that the medicine just taught me is it's just just to kind of go with the flow and just kind of like be like Bruce Lee said, be water, you know, just kind of um, go with it, whatever comes good or bad. If you can go with it, then you'll find that you'll enjoy life much more and hopefully learn from it instead of um, spend time being angry or, or, or upset about things. Educate, inspire, change. It's its almost a command or certainly a direction or an invitation to those who follow you, to the 3.5 million followers that you have. And so much of seeing that through of, of educating, of inspiring others, of changing comes through using your voice. So this story of you finding your voice, I'm sure is very inspiring to others to find their own voice so that they might be able to to do these things that you are are suggesting mm -hmm. will be so powerful. And so finding you you also have this incredible Scottish accent. You're Muslim <laughs> um, and mm -hmm. born in the West. So it's sort of this this microcosm. Well, I'm no longer. I'm not, I'm not, oh, excuse me. Yeah, please tell me. I, 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 yeah, I was a Muslim. So like I, I was Muslim, but then I chose to step away from that religion a few years ago so interesting so and i want to hear that story as well your yeah. your life story is almost this microcosm and the macrocosm right this intersection this globalization that's happened across the world where cultures are are blending or reconciling at some level with each other would you be willing to share that that story of separating from the muslim religion yeah because it's not easy and i think um, it's an it's important that people speak about this because it's not something spoken about enough, you know. Um, it's one of those taboo topics, if you like, because uh, in the Muslim culture, there's a lot of fear and it centers around um, um, being judged not only by your family, but by your community and the greater community as well, you know, because if, if for, it's called apostasy. So, for example, in Saudi Arabia, if you apostate, you, that's um, punishable by death. Yeah. And that's right now the law by islamic sharia law this is the, the, the punishment so you can imagine like how much fear that puts into people it doesn't matter where you are in the world and then you get all these fanatics and extremists around the world and me having such a big platform as well and and um, representing perhaps because a lot of muslim people will listen to me just because of my background and because of my family and my heritage so there's a lot of fear around this which shouldn't be there and i, I think it helps to take away this fear by simply talking about it so for me personally, um, in my uh, early twenties, I encountered a lot of um, a lot of uh, how would you say not so much aggression, but you know a lot of judgment from my own family, from my friends, and from the community for talking openly about my beliefs and how I would always question my religion and question things that didn't accept all people. So, like for example, um, in the religion of Islam, my mom was a great human and she's a Muslim and um, she represents religion really well but unfortunately there's a lot of humans in the planet that maybe aren't um, so you know um, uh, kind and nice and they will use the religion in, 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 in bad ways you know so it's one of those things it's hard I personally don't agree with any religion or dogma I'm much more in, in line with spirituality and science and I also feel like um, as people become more spiritual and more scientific the two are becoming almost like one now because people are now understanding quantum physics and consciousness and these things that we know nothing about you know even scientists will openly admit we know nothing about consciousness we know nothing about 
um, really the power of meditation or yoga or whatever, but there's something there, you know. And spirituality has always said this. Spirituality has always said if we can meditate, if we can be still, if we can do yoga and if we can uh, put our body and our mind and our spirit in alignment, then we can achieve all this um, oneness. And science is almost coming in alignment with spirituality now. But that's another topic. We can touch on that as well. I want to go back to your question on Islam, you know. So for me, I encountered a lot of... Um, um, like I said, a judgment. And I think the only way I could overcome that was it took me a long time. So maybe five to 10 years later, when I'm 30 years old and I've I've created Educate Inspire Change and I've, I've got a family and I'm happy, only now are people coming around to thinking maybe he's onto something. But it took it takes me to almost be the change I want to see, you know? So in the beginning, um, there was judgment and it was always going to be there and I, I could never change it. You're almost never going to change anyone's ingrained values that have been inbred through generations and generations if you leave a religion you leave a religion and they're always going to uh, put that black mark against you but now what i've done is i'm now 37 i've got a beautiful family i've got two beautiful children i've got a healthy relationship i've got a great business and, I, and, I, and i'm happy so now people are looking at me even my own family who once judged me they're now thinking hang on a second maybe there's more than one route to God, maybe there's more than one route to happiness. Maybe he's onto something, and so it's a great um, honor to have been able to change people's minds just by 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 living my life and by being the light, you know. And, and it's been really hard because obviously my mom and father are being the biggest um, pieces of my life that didn't accept me for many years, but now they're accepting me with open arms. They accept my children, they accept my partner, they accept everything I do, and it's beautiful. But it's just taken time to get there, and I think. You know, this generation that I'm in is, um, you know, I was born here in 1982, you know, so um, I feel like there's only going to, this this kind of friction will last for a generation or two and then it'll become easier. So I'm kind of paving the way for my children, for their children to have easier lives, you know, because right now is a very transitional period. Even in America, everyone's just first or second or third generation. So we're all still very connected to our roots in Pakistan or India or Saudi Arabia, wherever we're from. And often that can come along with these strict, dogmatic kind of um, rules and laws so it's just a case of breaking them down I mean only in America you know black people couldn't vote um, or sit in buses at the front seat not that long ago women couldn't vote and it's taken 50 to 100 years to break down those you know those um, discriminatory um, habits and the same is with Islam and Judaism and strict religions uh, there's a, still a lot of dogma around it but I think it's up to people like me and people my age and my generation just to break down those um, those walls if you like and and uh, just not be scared and it's a, it's a scary thing but like I think if we can just face our fears and that's the key. Change is challenging and uncomfortable. My understanding is that your mom has embraced what you do in a, a very profound way and is going to be the mm -hmm. subject of an upcoming documentary that you are creating. Would you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So um, so um, when I was doing ayahuasca, I felt like I had this platform, Educate Inspire Change, with so many followers. And I thought, what's the best way for me to communicate what I've learned with my followers and I thought um, through what you know all my life I've always loved watching documentaries and films and they've often planted seeds in my head of truth and they've inspired me to go on and find out more things read books and whatever so I thought I'd love to film this journey I'd love to document what I'm doing and share it with people and talk from the heart and really be my authentic self and and um, I think what better way to showcase the power of ayahuasca or plant medicine and showing them transformation, right? So like um, uh, that's the best way you can show it. So uh, I thought I need to create this documentary. And really the documentary is um, it just started me phoning a friend and saying, bring a camera and film. And then it kind of um, we learned as we, 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 we went really. I'd never made a film before in my life. I, I'd never done documentary, so I didn't really know what I was doing. But it's almost like I'm following the guidance of the plants. I'm always asking the plants to guide me. I'm always asking spirit to guide me. I'm always um, um, just kind of st stay in touch with nature and my, my true self and following my intuition, you know. And what happened was I went to a retreat in Costa Rica called Rhythmia. I took the cameraman and basically me and the cameraman did ayahuasca together. So we didn't get much filming done <laughs> because we were too busy um, being thrown away, being thrown around the room by ayahuasca and then having to integrate everything we'd learned. We didn't really 
appreciate what we'd done. We needed to plan and prepare much more. So I then returned a second time, <laughs> this time with the idea to really prepare, plan, make sure we're filming, make sure we're interviewing and doing everything we need to do to create a film, you know. So there's a documentary called Awakening the Soul, which is a standalone documentary. And that's um, almost, it's been a year in the making and it's almost ready to be released. So it's in its final stages and I'm really excited to be able to release that. Um, it's a real deep dive into the origins of ayahuasca. Um, it's interviewing shamans, interviewing people who have been through the journeys in ayahuasca, their own transformation, talking to doctors as well about the science behind ayahuasca. And um, I'm really excited to be able to share that because the goal of that documentary is to educate people about plant medicine and to hopefully uh, uh, take away some stigmas attached to it. You know, like people often call plant medicine drugs and they are very fear, uh, fearful of it. And this is to try to take away that fear to hopefully spread a bit more education on the topic and to hopefully relax people and let them know that there are facilities and retreats available that are very comfortable. You don't always have to be in the jungle um, riding about in the mud next to snakes. You can be in a nice Maloka, nice temple in a five-star retreat as well and do it in the safety around doctors and, you know, medical qualified people so uh, there's places where you can go that are safe and i'm just trying to let people know that and then i've got another documentary series which is called pantera which is spanish for panther and that's much more personal to me so that's basically following me through my own journey doing medicine and me every night talking about what i experienced and my own transformation um and i went to four different retreats in 2019 and 2020 three ayahuasca retreats and one iboga retreat so it's um uh, and each retreat wasn't planned. It was just me following my path, following my heart. Um, I'll give you an example. So one time when I'm doing ayahuasca, the girl next to me, who I had a good connection with, woke up and said to me, you need to do a boga. And I was like, why are you? And she goes, ayahuasca told me to tell you. So that registered in my mind. And then lo and behold, about a month later, some, some guy from Costa Rica emails me out the blue saying, I run in a boga retreat. And I, I've seen what you're doing at Rhythmia. I'd love to invite you to do a boga. So I'm like, this is just crazy. You know, the universe is just working to make me do a boga. So like uh, I went to this retreat. I had a really profound experience there and I documented it all. And um, what we decided that instead of having one documentary, this is going to be a documentary series. So we've got episode one, which is following me uh, and actually my girlfriend at the time to through an ayahuasca retreat. Episode two, episode two will be following me through an iboga retreat and then so on and so forth. So, so far we've filmed four episodes and the next episode that we're planning to film is going to be me taking my mum, which is a really big thing because my mum is in her 60s. She's a, a strict, devout Muslim who prays five times a day. And um, it's really powerful because when I was doing ayahuasca, like um, I understood that the abuse that I had experienced as a child stemmed from the abuse my parents had felt as children as well. And so for me to be able to heal my own mother and heal and heal her in ayahuasca and to reconnect to her on that level um, is a really beautiful thing for me. And I, I often get teary-eyed just talking or thinking about it because um, it's a really you know emotional uh, thought visioning her on ayahuasca and being able to bond with her on a level because one of the issues I've had with my mother is a lack of um, connection between mother and son you know there's been not much affection between us and that stemmed from childhood and trauma and everything so I've really been craving this in the last especially the last two three years to really build this connection and I feel like plant medicine will be a great tool to help her overcome some of her childhood trauma so that she can connect with her own children better and it was really beautiful something that she said the other day because I've had a lot of, if you like, anxiety, not anxiety, anxiety, but I'm more scared for her than she is, you know, because I, I, I know what she's about to go through. But she, tell, she keeps reminding me not to worry. And she keeps telling me that she has this already really close connection to God. And because she's a strict Muslim, she goes, I'm already in touch with spirit. She goes, the only reason I'm going to do ayahuasca is I want to thank this plant for giving me back my son. And I thought, like, wow, you know, it's so so powerful and beautiful. But she's totally not scared. She's got zero fear. She's got such a minute when I think about it, her praying five times a day is her meditating five times a day. So if you can imagine having that connection every day of your life, she she I maybe underestimate her in that point of view, you know. And um she's probably more prepared to do ayahuasca than I ever will be because she's been praying every day for years, you know. So I'm really looking forward to just seeing her transformation, seeing her go there and seeing her embrace this new this new um, experience. And she also has beautiful grandchildren now. And one of my other things that I want to do is I'm planning on moving to Costa Rica with my family. 
and I want to take my mum with me. Uh, and so I'm hoping that her doing this journey will just open her up to taking more risks and to hopefully moving it with me and my kids to Costa Rica. So this is another thing with plant medicine, you know, it, it puts you in touch with nature. So I, I live in Glasgow, Scotland, which is like a concrete jungle, you know, and um, there's like a bar or a pub on every corner. People are drunk. There's always football, sports, there's lots of distraction and, you know, nightclubs. And it's kind of this, you know, Scotland is a big drinking culture, you know, and um, this is kind of like your daily social weekend as everyone wants to invite you out for drinks. So in my head, like I thought the best thing for me to do for my children and for my future is to change my environment and put me somewhere much more in alignment with nature, you know. I'd love to go out and just be at the beach every day and just sit and, you know, next to a tree and just relax with my children in the sun. So... This is one of the things that plant medicine kind of made me feel like I needed to reconnect to my to to nature and because we are nature essentially, you know. And that's another thing. Um, there's there's a lot of science behind reconnecting to nature and the benefits that this has on, on, on a mental and a physical level. You know, just grounding, putting your feet in the grass or in the sand, and being around animals, being around trees, and sitting in silence in nature can be very very therapeutic, and it's cheaper than therapy as well. You know, so. So this is another thing that I'd like to get across to your listeners is that if you're struggling with anything and if you're maybe, um, you know, because a lot of people find it hard to practice mindfulness. I'm one of them. Like I often find it hard to find motivation to take the time to meditate. Like I have kids screaming in the house all the time. There's always music or TV on. So it can be quite hard and a challenge to find time to relax. But it's not so hard to go out for a walk. It's not so hard to go and sit in a park and, and, and a bench and be quiet for a while. So that's a great way to really center yourself and a great way to just to realign yourself. And if, if you're maybe, especially during this time of the pandemic, you know, there's a lot of pressures. A lot of people are having things come to the surface that maybe previously, you know, they were distracting themselves with work. And now you're at home. Maybe you're in a relationship that's not very good. or And so I would say to them to find time and be in nature. That's the best advice I, I could give. Certainly. There were a bunch of incredible themes there. One of the things I picked up on was uh, this appreciation that the plants have given you for your mom and your mom for you. And the fact that your mom is going into a ceremony with this uh, pretext of gratitude, right? She's grateful mm -hmm. to have gotten her son back. And so she doesn't have any fear. And that, that mm -hmm. is such a lesson for so many other things that we might step mm -hmm. into, so many other challenges we might face in our day-to-day -day life that if we, if we arrive at them with gratitude for the experience, gratitude for whatever has come before and will come after, that a lot mm -hmm. of the fear disappears from that. And we can go through it with more grace. Another mm -hmm. element of that was this your mom's openness because of her connection and you made this connection between her praying five times to a day as a, a muslim is her form of meditation and that mm -hmm. plant medicine is a it, we started the conversation here it's a catalyst right that you don't necessarily need the plants to connect to that higher self that mm -hmm. truth with a capital t exactly. but they are a mm. tool to get there a little quicker but this daily yeah. meditation practice is also a tool. Mm. That's a very profound thing you just said because um, I've, I've seen uh, people do ayahuasca and they can almost rely on it and they want to go back to do ayahuasca. Like every year they'll go back for a top up because they, they feel like they're not you know, in, in touch. And that's because they're not doing daily practices. You know, the, the thing, ayahuasca is a tool that unlocks things that are already in you. So essentially, you are the medicine, not ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is just pointing you and giving you the tools to unlock your own medicine, you know? So, I mean, essentially, all I did was drink a cup and then come back home and, go, you know, go through what I went through and come back home. Uh, all the changes that I felt and made, I made them myself. So that, this is why it's really important to understand, first of all, intention, and second of all, integration. So what are your intentions in the medicine? Why are you doing it? Are you really ready for it? Are you really prepared for this? Are you giving it the respect it deserves? And having this clear, focused mind and going in, like you said, with gratitude, not with fear, with a real sense of purpose, wanting to heal. You need to really want to heal for it to heal you. You know, if you're going in with fear and you're really not confident, you're going to have a really hard time and it might not give you all the benefits. So I think, like you said, going in with gratitude is a great one, uh, just to be grateful to be there. And then coming out of it as Again, showing the plant the most respect by integrating everything you, it's taught you. So when you're coming back to your own day-to-day -day life, how are you now going to 
take these teachings and adapt them into your day-to-day life. Are you going to eat better? Are you going to be kinder to yourself? Are you going to slow down? Are you going to take more time for self-care, meditate, yoga, all these kind of things? Because ultimately, those are the things that we need to do to heal, you know? This this medicine only lasts for one or two nights and the rest of the, your life is, is you know, you're by yourself. So I think that's a great message you're saying. And I think that's it's my mum's teaching me almost because I forgot that she's so in, in aligned because I'm just assuming I've done plant medicine, I'm up here and I want you to come and join me, but I'm forgetting she's already up there because she's been practicing meditation for years and years and years. And I also believe in a weird way, her prayers are probably what saved me, you know, because... There's nothing more pure than the prayer of a mother for a child, yeah? Because there's nothing in there, the selfish, it's all, it's just pure love, yeah? So when a mother spends years and years praying for a son, and then that son miraculously finds plant medicine, I don't think that's by accident, you know? And then for me to be able to repay that by being able to take her to do ayahuasca and be able to maybe heal some traumas that maybe she can't do through meditation, because this is another thing I, w- I want to touch on is, um, just like in life, there's some medical conditions that maybe we can't heal through nutrition or diet. You might have a brain tumor or you might, you know, be in a car accident and in that moment you need a brain surgeon or you need a qualified doctor, yeah? There are also some things in our human body and our human mind that, like, for example, some people have a genetic code, you know, where maybe their parents have always been alcoholics or gamblers or whatever that might be and the children might be born addicted to drugs or alcohol. This happens quite common. And like um, in my mom's case, for example, there was a, a systematic abuse in her family and this stemmed, you know, from her parents and their parents and, and it carried on to my childhood. And so what this medicine does, and it did for me, was it's almost like having a kind of spiritual doctor look at you. And there's even such a thing they call spiritual surgery. During ayahuasca, you can often experience these profound experiences where you feel like there's beings on you or in your mouth or in your you know, your heart or your brain, and you feel like you're being worked on, you feel like you're being operated on, you know? And it, I, feel, I felt like um, what my mom needs, there's some things in her that are just there and she needs some real, like a, a wake-up call, if you like, or some kind of... Um, experience like plant med- like there's a tool in plant medicine that maybe she can't get in day-to-day life you know and i feel like it's for example she's been divorced for nearly um 15 years now you know and in those 15 years she's never wanted to find love again because her bad first experience was so bad she never wanted to repeat it you know and that makes me as a son quite sad to see a woman closed off to love and i also worry about her growing old and being alone and not having someone to just be a, a companion you know so this is a tool that i think uh, uh, ayahuasca can be great for is just unlocking that self-love and hopefully taking away that past trauma so that she can love again and, and hopefully accept love as well and um that's a great uh, thing i want to share as well is that because one of the things I, I, ayahuasca doesn't do it doesn't discriminate a lot of people assume you need to be an addict or have suffered abuse or whatever but even a woman in a loveless marriage for 20 years, that can be a really, really sad, lonely place to be. And uh, 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 people maybe, they're often the silent victims. They often go unheard, you know, because they, you don't hear about them or see them on TV or written about in newspapers or whatever. So people like my mom, who was in a loveless marriage for so long and suffered some form of mental abuse during that marriage, these people need help just as much as a heroin addict or a victim of rape or whatever it might be, you know. So I think it's important that women out there who maybe um, listening to this, understand that this medicine is for everybody. It's not just for addicts or extreme abuse victims. It's for everyone. Even a lonely hearts need, you know, uh, can be just as uh, painful as anything, any other form of pain, you know, so. Yeah, we all have our traumas. Some are more dramatic than others, but healing from them and this, this ability to expand our compassion and love and gratitude. I find it really interesting that your mom is a grandmother and ayahuasca is Mm -hmm. often referred to as the grandmother medicine and so she's on this journey to 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 use the grandmother medicine do you find that people are drawn to certain plant medicines because there are more than we've discussed you've talked about your experience Mm -hmm. with ayahuasca and ibogaine and there are others Mm -hmm. psilocybin san pedro even ketamine MDMA. Mm -hmm. And do you find that people are drawn to certain ones or in your experience, is there a time when one is appropriate and another isn't? Uh, Good question. Um, Good question. Very good question. Because one of the things I've realized is people doing plant medicine for the first time, there's not a lot of knowledge going around. So often they'll just do whatever they've 
been told, you know. So someone will done ayahuasca and they'll do ayahuasca because that's what their friend done. But maybe for them, a different medicine would be more suitable depending on the nature of what kind of healing they're after. So um, for me personally, I felt called to do ayahuasca because I had explored, I read a lot about DMT and I listened to people like Terence McKenna uh, talking about DMT and ayahuasca, and it just really resonated deeply with me on a deep level. So my intuition was leading me towards that medicine. Um, but I think with hindsight, like if I was to speak to people who I would want to understand what they wanted to gain from the medicine, and I would then you know, uh, advise them to explore all different medicines and learn about them all and do the research before they make a decision. Because ibogaine or iboga, for example, um, is a very powerful medicine. It's often referred to as the father uh, or the grandfather, and it's a much more masculine energy. And often people who have serious traumas or serious addictions or serious chronic illnesses or pains or whatever um, would be better suited for iboga. Um, so I think it's just important for people listening to really do their research and I think follow your intuition. So learn about, there's maybe four or five really true teacher plants that like you mentioned, most of them, San Pedro, psilocybin, um, mushrooms obviously, and ayahuasca, aboga, San Pedro. So really do your research on all of them and really just um, feel what, what calls you the most. You know, What are you looking for? What's your intentions? And that, that's the best advice I can really give is um, just ask people for the, their own experiences. But the best thing you could do is do your own research because often other people's experiences uh, might not be the same as what you're going to experience. So the best thing I would say is read your own research, watch videos by yourself, and try not to be shaped by other people's opinions because I've heard people talk about iboga and ayahuasca and it's completely different experiences they've had, you know. So um, nothing can really prepare you for what that would, you know, what, what you're going to experience because it's all unique for everyone. So just do your own research, rely on your own intuition is my best advice. Do you have an opinion about the synthetic version? So things like LSD, MDMA, ketamine? Mm. Um, so I want to be careful how much I say because I, I'm not an expert on any of these by any means but I can talk from my own personal experience and just uh, I did an interview for example with a, a guy called Mike Zappi Zappelin who's a really interesting guy he's a filmmaker and an experienced psychonaut and he um, did a documentary called The Reality of Truth I don't know if you've heard of this um, I had some famous actresses in there like Michelle Rodriguez and a few other people doing ayahuasca and stuff and He's recently been working on a new documentary um, with Lamar Odom, who's a famous basketballer who used to be one of the Kardashians. And this journey is around ketamine therapy. Yeah. So it really made me realize that um, there are some medicines out there that have a very, very powerful purpose and a very great healing properties if done in the right way, in the right conditions, with the right support. And ketamine is one of them. And uh, this guy, Mike Zappelin, even went as far as to say that he feels ketamine might even have a consciousness of its own. Because this is what separates plants from synthetic drugs, yeah? As plants like ayahuasca or iboga, they have a spirit, they have a consciousness, and we can learn from this and tap into that energy. Whereas maybe things like LSD might not have a spirit or a consciousness as such, but it still can serve a purpose. So I think I would just be much more hesitant, very careful around the synthetic drugs. I would only want to do them in controlled environments with a lot of support around me and a lot of guidance and people who would help me uh, through the journey. Whereas with ayahuasca or ibogaine, I would have a lot more trust and a lot more, um, you know, feeling that I could do that in a, you know, just in, a, in an ayahuasca retreat, for example, whereas I wouldn't like to take LSD or ketamine by myself or, you know, just in a, in a retreat somewhere. I'd want to be in a really controlled, safe environment with medical staff and stuff like that. But ketamine, I think of all those synthetic drugs, is the one that interests me the most because I feel like um, from what I hear, it, there, there's something special or unique about it um, that separates it from the other ones. And MDMA therapy, I've heard great things about this as well. Another friend of mine, Jason Silva, who you may have heard of, he talks about um, MDMA therapy and, and how amazing this is and how sitting with a therapist for an hour with MDMA can be really, really profound. And it's almost the equivalent to having 100 therapy sessions in one, you know. So um, I would definitely uh, urge your listeners to definitely think about these. Don't judge these synthetic drugs too quickly because they can be very, very beneficial. 
One of the things that is consistent whenever I talk to anyone with experience in plant medicines or hallucinogens is this idea of set and setting. And you have referred to Mm -hmm. that in terms of creating an intention. So working with a guide where you first create an intention, then you go on the journey. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the value that you get from that journey happens when you integrate and decide how you're going to pull these, these bits of wisdom and education from that journey into real life that day-to-day life. So do you have any mm-hmm. tips for how to how to really lean into that part of it, the setup and then the integration? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, it comes back to that what you put in is what you get out, you know? So um, the more energy you can put into preparing yourself mentally, spiritually, physically, so dieta is a big one. So like, um, and it's often just about I mean, I've seen people do ayahuasca and they maybe have been eating pizza on the day and they'll have a great experience. But there's other people that will do have a proper dieta and they will eat very healthy and clean for, you know, weeks before and they'll have a great experience. So there's no right or wrong. But for me, I would always side in the air of caution and, and always put as much respect as I can into my plant medicine journey. So I will choose to do a dieta in many forms. I'll limit, like I wouldn't watch horror movies, for example. I would make sure nowhere near pornography or anything like that or anything that has a negative energy, you know. So I'd like to prepare myself as much as possible before any plant medicine because the more respect you give it, it'll give you more respect in return. That's what I believe. And in terms of set and setting, so uh, if some people are in a fortunate position where they can choose where to go, so uh, Costa Rica as a place where I've been, often um, people, uh, I, f- I find just taking the journey of going there, preparing for it, and really devoting a whole week to a week of healing. And um, in the retreat I go to, at Rhythmia, for example, it's not just ayahuasca. You're doing yoga every morning, you're eating clean every day, you're also uh, being involved in classes which are designed to prepare you for the ayahuasca. So, you know, you're, you're engaging with people on that level, and you're really having time to meditate you're having massages or or whatever it might be to put you in the best possible place to have the to optimize your your healing experience and then even afterwards you can still um take three or four days to integrate before you have to come home you know so that for me is the best way to have the optimal plant medicine experience is to really take the time if you can on both ends of your journey before and after so it's not just a case of you do ayahuasca one night and that's it you know really take the time give it the respect it deserves um, and invest in yourself, you know. So, and and um, that's the best advice I would give to set setting intention in terms of integration. Really, um, this is something retreats need to do more of: is to assist you in the integration process, rather than just put you through the through the ayahuasca journey and send you home. I think it's very important that you have a support system around you that helps you to integrate what you've learned. So quite often people can do ayahuasca and then they might be returning home and they might be returning home to a hostile environment. It might be having pressure in the work or it might be uh, having an abusive partner or, or whatever that might be. And often in those times you can be at your most sensitive. And um, I've even heard people go the wrong way. Like they can often do ayahuasca and then return home and then be worse off. They might feel more depressed or more anxious. And this can be because they haven't taken time to protect their environment and protect their space and protect their their spirit, you know? So I would just remind people to be here with caution. There is a dark side to these medicines and you need to do what you can to um, protect yourself, protect your energy, protect your spirit, you know? And and I would say people just to err with caution and, and do what you can to integrate yourself in the best way. And that can often mean making sure when you return home that you're in a good environment, that people understand what you've been through and take the time to listen to you and just be careful, you know? So that's what advice I would give. I hope that answers your question. Yeah. So the future of educate inspire change you alluded to the fact that it might be coming from costa rica what else do you see in the future of your your professional journey yeah so um again i've, I've been having a lot of deep insights on this in the last um, few months um Facebook and the online world is changing constantly and we constantly have to evolve with it. And it's becoming much more difficult for independent media organizations like mine to exist and to work and to grow. And so this has almost happened at the same time as me doing plant medicine, but I've had to pivot and I've had to innovate and change my business model. So instead of relying on high levels of traffic on you know videos going viral and making money from ad revenue, I'm having to really 
become much more engaged with my audience, which is great timing because it's it's working well with me and my plant medicine journey, and obviously creating the podcast, um, doing the documentaries, and also on a personal level, I want to become more. Um, how would you say? Like I want to, I feel like I'm becoming slowly more qualified to talk to people on a level where I feel like I, I trust what I'm saying is going to benefit them, you know. So perhaps uh, six months ago or a year ago, I would be very hesitant to give advice on how to do ayahuasca. I would just direct them to somebody who's a specialist at a retreat or I would direct them to a medical doctor or whatever it might be. But now I feel like I can talk with a bit more confidence around just through personal experience around how to prepare for ayahuasca, how to prepare for plant medicine, how to integrate, how to manage your own day-to-day life, daily practices, even how to you know um, grow your own business and how to function in a, in a, in a and a life that's can have a lot of pressure and also have a spiritual practice as well because I've had to do the both for the last two years and I've encountered a lot of obstacles but through personal experience I think I can now share that so moving forward I would like to be more proactive in giving support and advice and support, you know whether it's life coaching or um, anything along those lines or plant medicine integrator offering support and when I go to Costa Rica I'm going to be working closely with a retreat out there and one of my roles is just to be in service I want to uh, volunteer uh, during ceremonies so I want to become accustomed with working with people helping them to navigate through journeys helping them to integrate better being there to support them and all that kind of stuff and I also feel like um, during plant medicine journey, there, there's a, there's roles for therapists. So one shaman that I uh, spoke to in, uh, in January 2020 and I did ayahuasca, this shaman, she's really special and she was almost like a therapist in her own right as well. She was really able to look at you, to focus on you and to understand why you're doing what you're doing and look at your behaviours and make um, conclusions as to why are you behaving in this way and then to uh, give you some awareness and guidance as to what I think you should do in your ayahuasca ceremony. So... I'll give you an example, if that's okay. As um, she noticed that during my ayahuasca ceremonies, um, often I would I would um, uh, let the music overwhelm me, and I would get up and I would dance and I would like uh, move, which is great, and it's a form of expression and it's a form of purging as well. You know, maybe I didn't feel free as a child, or whatever. But she also said to me that you are distracting yourself. And she then made me realize that this is what I've done as a, ever since I was a child. So as a child, whenever my mother and father were arguing, I would often get lost in my own world, play with my toys and do things to distract myself. And then this obviously as a child uh, uh, manifested in different ways where I would just always distract my mind, you know. I would never sit in silence. I would never sit and feel my fears or feel my feelings. I would never sit and cry, for example. I would always choose to distract myself rather than feel my feelings. And I was doing this during ayahuasca experiences, but I, w- I wouldn't be aware of this had this shaman not given me that awareness. So it's about having an added awareness. So I would love my role to help people just become more aware of things during medicine, after medicine, and just to help them to get more awareness on the situation, why are they behaving the way they are. So I see my role in this way. And also, I've always been told since I was young, for some reason, I don't know why, that I've got very nice hands and that I've got artistic hands. And um, so and what, when I, whenever I do ayahuasca, I always move my hands really weirdly, like, the, like almost like, um, I don't know if you've experienced this, but you know, the ayahuasca, it's like the the energy of a serpent moves through you. And so they call it the snake dance, you know, so you can often move with your hands through the air and waving and it's it's almost like it's not me, it's moving through me. So I feel like there's something in my hands, whether it's Reiki, whether it's healing, whatever it might be, art or drawing or writing, I'm not sure yet, but I feel like there's something there that I'm being told to do, you know, and um, so I'm, I'm trying to tap into this. So moving forward, I want to just... Um, be more artistic, use, use my body more, dance more, use my hands more, be more in service um, and really focus on myself. So instead of Educate Inspire Change being a brand, I'm almost uh, joining Educate Inspire Change with Cash Can. So it's almost like I'm, I'm merging the two together uh, and becoming more and in my stepping into my own power and having the confidence to do that, you know, because so, obviously I love my brand, Educate Inspire Change, but it's about having the confidence of merging it with Cash Can and feeling good about that. So that's pretty much the path I'm on and being more involved with filmmaking and obviously my podcast is just at the very early stages. I've only done 15 episodes so far and I realize it's a grind, you know, you really have to work hard at podcasting, you have to be really consistent. So I'm committing to myself to do a, an episode every week and being at Costa Rica will be a perfect place to do that because I'll be working at a retreat. There'll be fantastic people coming in and out of that retreat every week where I can interview them and become more engaged and get more comfortable talking, interviewing and, and all that kind of stuff. So just honing my skills, healing, communication, talking, all that stuff. And 
that's really where I see myself going. And obviously I have a beautiful young family as well. So just becoming a more present father, a more present partner and, and hopefully um, being able to include them in my healing journey with me and, and seeing where that leads. I'm so intrigued to see where things go next, what you do with your hands. Gosh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you today. Uh, you are doing, you are educating, inspiring, and changing the world. Uh, and so it's been wonderful to hear how how you're doing it, the nuts and bolts of what you do every day to make it happen. Thank you so much for joining mm-hmm. us. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. It's been an honor. Thank you. This episode of Collective Insights was hosted by Dr. Heather Sanderson and produced by Jacqueline Loera. This podcast is for informational purposes only. The podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You should not use the information on the podcast for diagnosing or treating a health problem or disease or prescribing any medication or other treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider before taking any medication or nutritional, herbal, or homeopathic supplement, and with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this or any other podcast. Reliance on the podcast is solely at your own risk. Information provided on the podcast does not create a doctor-patient relationship between you and any of the health professionals affiliated with our podcast. Information and statements regarding dietary supplements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to therein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician. This podcast is owned by Neurohacker Collective.